Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Good morning, South Valley. We have an opportunity to praise the Lord this morning, so come to your feet wherever you are. Give God some praise. Lift your voices up. Give it all to Him from your heart to the throne. Come on.
Amen, amen, amen. We want you to clap, make some noise at home, get excited about what God is going to do this morning. He is great. He is mighty. He is worthy of praise. Come on, church. give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken and great are you Lord come on you give life our love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken tell the lord
you to think about that concept. Every breath we take is an opportunity to give God some praise regardless of our circumstances. We take a breath in and we expel it out and give God praise. So as we close with this song right here, why don't you lift those words up again. It's your breath. In our lungs, we pour out our praise. Lift it up to the Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Come on. It's your breath. Time. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Every voice, pour out your praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. Unravel me with a melody. You surround me with your song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to I am a child of God. I'm no my mother's womb you have chosen me and love has called my name and I've been born again amen to your family your blood flows through my veins I'm no
Give the Lord a shout out. Come on, believe in that truth. There is nothing to fear. God is on our side. We are founded in that truth. Come on. Dear Lord, we are excited. We want to get wrapped up in you. We want to celebrate the God of the universe, the God that can move mountains, the God that brought his son out of a tomb, proclaiming victory over death, providing a way back to you through that precious gift. So while we face many, many trials in this world, Lord, we know that there is nothing to fear because you are a God who reigns supreme. You are a God who is timely. You are a God who moves in ways we cannot see, but is always in our favor and works behind the scenes. Because if you are for us, what can be against us? So God, we proclaim that truth. We stand on that rock, Lord. And we look forward to how you're going to move today. We pray that you would move through this time with you. You would speak to our hearts. You would draw us into focus with you. And we would be surrounded by your protection. And we would have a heart that is for you in this world, Lord. That we would let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. So, Lord, go before us. Be with us. Move and draw hearts to you, Lord. If there is even one who needs to know that there's nothing to fear because your son paid the ultimate price and ultimately you want to have a relationship with that person. I pray for that very person this morning, Lord, that you would draw them to you. They would bend the knee and bow to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of the life, Lord. And we proclaim the victory over all things through your name and give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for coming this morning. We're glad that you're here. If you are brand new to checking us out online, we would love to invite you to fill out a communication card, svcclamore.org slash connect. And that will allow us the opportunity just to hear from you. If you wouldn't mind just filling out that small form and we can reach out to you and answer any questions that you might have and be a general support to you as you, you know, pursue a life with Jesus Christ and for anyone who's looking for that next step to take in their walk, because we all have that next step to take, we really want to invite you to download the Church Center app and click on Next Steps. And you'll find that there are some different categories for you to check into, and it gives you the opportunity to engage with the staff. And we would love to resource you and plug you in where you're where your heart's content would be. For example, maybe you're interested in serving and we would love to connect you with Renewed Thrift Store because they got some great things going on in a need in volunteers, as well as children's ministry. would love to have some more hands serving our kids and their families. Maybe you're, uh, speaking of children's ministry, maybe your kids are asking some pretty interesting questions about faith. Well, the first step for kids class, which is gonna be on October the 18th, that would be a huge opportunity for you to be able to sign them up and engage them in those questions as a family alongside the children's ministry that we have at South Valley. Maybe you're a new believer, you're a woman that's a new believer, and you're just wanting to know what those healthy habits are of getting to know your Bible, getting to know the Lord, and be in fellowship with others. We have a women's study that meets on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. We can plug you into that. Maybe you are just someone who's got some hurts, some habits, some hangups, and you're just in need of recovery, and you need to pursue Jesus and step away from those habits. Celebrate recovery at 7 p.m. on Friday nights. We would love to plug you into that. Maybe you've got some youth age kids from 6th grade through 12th. They have Foundations Youth on Sunday nights. Man, there's so many things going on, and we would just love to make sure that you are connected so that you can really pursue what it is that the Lord has in store for you. So make sure that you get that app, get to the next steps portion of it, and let's get you plugged in, okay?
Finally, we have in the month of October, traditionally in, enjoy the amazingness of Harvest Fest. Well, obviously this year things are very different and we're having to make sure that we function with health in mind. And so what we are doing this year is very exciting. We're having what's called Glowween and the children's ministry is pioneering this. We are partnering with the city of Lemoore. It is our heart's desire to make sure that as a church family that we are supporting our community and being a blessing to it and showing the heart of Jesus in all circumstances and redeeming the night that is Halloween. And so what we are doing is we are going to be collecting candy and we would love to be able to have you drop by the church on Sunday morning as you come for the outdoor service. You can bring your candy offering, if you will, or you can bring it during the week to the church office. We'll have a bucket right outside the church office door and we'll be bringing it in as fast as possible so that chocolate don't melt, y'all. So we would love to be able to have your help with that as we resource the city as they prepare for the trunk or treat that's happening on the 31st. And also on the 31st on our campus, we will be having a fun-filled scavenger hunt, a drive-through scavenger hunt. And there's going to be some more details about that related to that particular event here pretty soon. So keep your eyes open for that. And then the morning after that, on the 1st of November, we're going to be having just a wonderful celebration for the SBCC kids and their families. And so just keep on the lookout for some information with regard to that. And we are looking forward to be a blessing to our city and showing the heart of Jesus in uh, tangible and wonderful ways. So before we head into the rest of the service, I'd love just to pray with you. As we prepare to give, would we just have a heart of content and trust as we engage in the discipline of giving? And if you are new to South Valley, we do not expect you to give. And so um, just please just allow your heart just to prepare for what's next. I'm just going to pray. And if you're a South Valley family, y'all know the drill. Uh, you can download the app and you can give that way, or you can go to sbcclamore.org and click donate and offer your offering there. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to head on in. Lord of heaven, we are so blessed by your heart for us. And there are just so many things that are happening, and there's just seeming to be this forward momentum, Father. We're seeing reinvigorated ministries. We're seeing lives change. Lord God, we are so excited for what you're doing, even in the midst of the difficulty that has been the last seven months. But God, we know that you are a good God and that you are trusting in us, Lord, to take care of what it is that you have allotted for us to do, whether that it's our, our giftings that you've given by your Holy Spirit, or it's our resources, Lord. We know that we are just mere stewards of the things that you've given to us. And so as we give back to you with our resources, with our time and our gifts, we pray, Lord, that you would be blessed and others would be blessed in the process. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. And we pray that hearts would be encouraged as we head into the service today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining you guys. We'll see you guys later. Have an awesome day. Bye. He looked into her deep brown eyes and, and he swore in that moment that he could see her mother in her. Unfortunately, she would only be able to know this through the words of her uncle. Her parents didn't make it. Her uncle had to take her in as a daughter because both of her parents had lost their lives. This is the reality of a people group who live under an oppressive government. This was her reality, being born into this oppressive government, never getting to see firsthand where she came from. 
And as she grew, she began to stand out even more, as if she didn't stand out enough already being someone who was from a completely different country. But now she began to stand out even more because as she was growing up, she was growing up to become so much more beautiful than everyone else around her. And, and this might sound great, but for her, for her it wasn't. See, the government wasn't just oppressive to her people and to her culture, but it was oppressive to anyone who didn't look just like them. And that meant that if you weren't a man, then you were just an object to be used. This meant that the man who called the shots, the man who dictated who would be oppressed and how they would be oppressed, when this man wanted to see the woman who he had commanded to be his wife, when he wanted to see her strut her stuff in front of him and his friends so that he could show off the object that he had added to his collection, this meant that when she said no, to this man, that she was no longer his wife, and he never wanted to see her face again. So, he needed someone else to strutten his presence. And since Esther had grown up so beautifully, this meant that ultimately she would become the new object of King Xerxes, for him to do with her as he pleased. Now, for those of you who don't know the history of the book of Esther, let, let me give you the, uh, I'll help you out here and give you the way too short version of the story. So, the nation of Israel had sinned over and over and over again, and finally, God stopped giving them chances, and it was time for them to face the reality that they had created for themselves. So a portion of Israel was taken into Babylonian captivity. And eventually, the Babylonians were wiped out by the Persians. And it's these Persians who are in charge in the book of Esther. But the Israelites have not totally been set free, obviously, because Esther is still stuck in this mess. And so under the rule of Xerxes, he throws a, a party, a banquet, and he does what, listen, we know what anybody does at a party, what they do to throw a good party. You get all the right food, and you get all the right drinks, right? And, and we know what that means. And so Xerxes and, and those who were at this banquet, had, they had gotten totally wasted. They were hammered. And, and as Xerxes is drunk out of his mind, he calls in his wife, Queen Vashti, to come strut her stuff in front of him and his friends. And she refuses. And so she's punished never to be seen by the king again. So Xerxes needs a replacement. He puts together a beauty pageant. But, but let me pause you for a second, okay? Because you're already building a mental image in your head. Stop that, okay? Because we have beauty pageants, right? But don't think like we think. 
This wasn't somewhere for women to show off or or for them to uh, do their thing. This was a place for a disgusting man to take advantage of women, some of whom were certainly underage. This was a disgusting and despicable move by Xerxes. But he's the king of Persia. He's the king of the world. Who's going to stop him? Who's going to stand in his way? So Xerxes' men show up to Esther's house, and they take Esther and they present her to King Xerxes. And the Bible says that she pleased him. Come on. Use your adult minds. I I think we know what's happening with Esther and King Xerxes here. And it really helps to paint the portrait of who this man really is. So she pleased him. So because of that, she was forced to go through beauty treatments to please the king even more. You know, I, I think one of the things about reading the Bible is that when we read the Old Testament... We see the bad things that that happened to Israel, but we're able to brush it off because it's not personal to us, right? It's not personal to us. This is, it's just a big group of people, this whole country that's that's going through something because collectively they all did something wrong, and, and we just see the nation, we don't see the individual. And this is what makes Esther more difficult for me to read, because Esther is a human being who's made in the image of God. Oh, oh man, you better believe, now that I have a daughter, you better believe that my view of this world has changed. I have a friend who used to be a detective, and he told me that he's always hoped that he would never have a daughter because he's seen how scum among men treat women. So we see all of this happening, and as you read through the book, you can't help but begin to wonder, where is God? When is God going to show up, right? Because everything leading up to this has been covered in the prophets from God speaking to his people and assuring them of how he was moving, that even though things are hard now, that he would ultimately save them. And if your daughter was in this moment, you would be begging, you would be pleading with God to show up in a major way. But what makes the book of Esther so unique? Not only does it give you a more personal look at what the people of Israel went through, but what makes this book so unique is that it's the only book in the entire Bible that never mentions God by name. If you were to just quickly scan this book of the Bible, looking for God, you're not going to find him. He doesn't seem to be there. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, this is where a lot of us feel right now, right? A lot of us are quickly scanning life around us and wondering, where in the world is God? Maybe you don't see him like you used to. Maybe you don't hear him like you used to. Where is he? This was a time that Israel needed God more than ever before, and we never see him mentioned in the book. 
And, and here we are at South Valley. Some of us meeting online, some of us meeting outside because of a pandemic. And for those of us who are meeting outside, here we are having a hard time with it because our state always seems to catch fire. And we have some of the worst air quality in the United States, even if not for those fires. For those of you who don't know, my wife and I just a few weeks ago, actually, uh, we welcomed our third child, our second son, into the world. His name is Micah Emerson Kurtz, and, uh, and he's pretty fantastic, if I do say so myself. Uh, and one of the things that I've quickly grown fond of is when he cries. Well, okay, let me, let me explain that a little bit, okay, because it's not just when he cries. Uh, when Micah loses his binky or soils his diaper or, or whatever it might be, He'll be in his bassinet in our bedroom crying, and when I walk into the room, it always seems to go this way. We'll let him cry for a little while to see if he's just crying for attention or if there's actually something wrong that we need to go address. And before you judge us too much for that, like, listen, if we got up immediately when a kid cried every time they cried with three kids in the house, we would never even sit down. So we have, to, we have to wait just a little bit, see what's going on, analyze the situation. Uh, but after a moment, I'll get up and I'll walk into our bedroom where uh, all of the lights are often off, and I'll gently say, Micah. And that's always how I say it. I walk in the bedroom and I just say, Micah. And this is the part that I love. The crying hushes. He gets quiet, if only for a moment. He'll often hush the crying, and if anything, there might be a little bit of a whimper until he actually feels my hands begin to grab him and pick him up to start to address the problem. But in that moment, it's not actually me solving the problem that's caused him to stop crying. It's simply knowing that dad is present. Once he knows that dad is there, he begins to settle down because he knows that if dad is there, there's nothing to worry about. But so what about Esther right now? What about the Jews right now who don't hear God's voice? How are they supposed to know whether or not everything is okay? What about us in this pandemic, in this climate, in our society? What in the world are we supposed to do in this moment? Well, first things first. See, every good story has a bad guy, right? And you probably have been thinking that King Xerxes is the bad guy. I mean, his name is Xerxes, for goodness sake, right? Like, uh, your Bible also might call him Ahasuerus. Still, solid bad guy name, right? But there's a worse bad guy. Haman. See, Haman, he's got such a bad pride issue that he makes like old school Kanye West look like a humble guy, right? And Haman gets Xerxes to sign an order that allows him to kill all of the Jews because Esther's uncle, Mordecai, won't bow down to him. I hope you're keeping up with all this. If you're not, let let me help you out a little bit. What you really need to know is that Haman is bad, Okay, And if God doesn't show up, then Esther and her uncle Mordecai 
are going to die. All right? Haman is bad, and if God doesn't show up, Esther and Mordecai will die. So Mordecai finds Esther. He tells her that that she's got to use her position as queen to go talk to Xerxes and, uh, and get him to save their people. Because Xerxes doesn't know that Esther is a Jew. He doesn't know that she's different from all his people. So she's got to go talk to him and and get this reversed somehow. And and here's how she responds. If you've got your Bibles with you, you can uh, either follow along on our screen here, or if you've got the Church Center app, you can follow along in there and just tap on Scripture, and you can follow along with us. And so in Esther chapter 4, verse 11, we read Esther's response. And she says, All the king's officials and the people of royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. So, here's problem one. The king has written a law that will cause Esther to die. So she needs to talk to the king to stop this. But if she goes to see the king and he doesn't feel like seeing her, then she'll die. And as a result, there's no way anyone else will survive. It's pretty tricky, right? But let's complicate it a little bit further because this is Esther, so why not, right? So she's got to be thinking to herself in this moment, well, what if I don't go see the king? There's no way Haman can kill the queen, right? I I mean, Xerxes will have to protect me. So, in other words, she's got to be thinking that, you know, all the other Jews might die, but, but Esther won't because she's royalty. That's certainly an option. I mean, like it or not, that's an option. She's got three choices. And between them, she's left with a 50-50 chance of life and death. And so then we keep moving in the story, and in Esther chapter 4 again, this time moving to verses 12 through 14, we read this. It says, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Well, Mordecai is is definitely on to Esther's thoughts about just not going into the king. He's, He's pegged her there, but The first thing that I want you to notice here is actually that Mordecai, even in this dire moment, he has faith. He has faith in this moment. He knows his heritage, and he knows that with or without Esther, the Jews will be delivered. He he knows who looks out for this group of people. He has faith. But there's something else even bigger going on here that I want you to see. I want you to see that final quote that he gives Esther. He says, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. 
Mordecai is saying that, that maybe somewhere, somewhere behind the scenes, there was something going on the whole time that led to this Hebrew girl becoming queen because someone knew the future and knew that the Jewish people would need this. Here's what I want to say to you, South Valley. Perhaps everything that's happened in the world, perhaps everything that's happened in your individual life, that's, that's happened to you, that's led you to where you are, maybe all of that has happened to lead you to such a moment as this. Annie F. Downs is, uh, she's an author and a speaker, and she was asked recently about the pandemic, and, and I love what she said about it. She said that God could have, he could have picked absolutely any, any generation to go through this pandemic. It could have happened 200 years in the future when none of us were still here. It could have happened in the past. It, it could have just not happened at all. But it didn't. We're in it. And any generation could have been, but he chose us to be in it. And so perhaps you were created for such a time as this church. Perhaps you were created with your unique gifts and your unique experiences because your life was actually specifically placed in this time because God wanted you to use you in this moment to be world changers. I believe that so much of America has shifted to consumerism. And I firmly believe that God has given each of us an opportunity to help shift the tides and, and stop just consuming, but actually begin to participate in the kingdom of God. God trusted you with this moment. And you know, maybe we're having difficulty seeing God right now, because God is patiently waiting for his church to start acting like his hands and feet to the world around us, just like we're meant to. But, but like Mordecai said to Esther, with or without you, there will be redemption. God doesn't need you to change the world, but he certainly invited you to participate in world transformation. And as the story of Esther continues, Haman, the bad guy, becomes furious with Mordecai because he still won't bow down to him. So Haman has this plan to kill him. But before he gets to put this plan into action, we see God show up. Now, I know what you're thinking because God's not mentioned by name in the book of Esther, but that doesn't mean that you can't see him. So Esther chapter 6, we're going to fast forward a couple of chapters. And in Esther chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, That night the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. Now, not a bad idea, right? Read the Chronicles, go to sleep. Sounds good to me. But that's not actually the part that I want you to see here. The king couldn't sleep. What are the odds that the king just happens to be kept up on this night? See, what ends up happening here is as the chronicles are being read to him, he's reminded that Esther's uncle Mordecai actually saved his life at one point, and nothing was ever done for Mordecai. So Haman comes into King Xerxes, and, and he walks into the room, and King Xerxes looks at Haman, and he's like, hey, if I were to honor someone, 
how should I do it? And oh man, sweet justice when Haman thinks that he's the one being honored. Uh, but, but here's the good part, okay? Let's, let's backtrack a little. We're going to rewind a little. If you're doubting that at all that, that this is an act of God, let me help you out a little bit, okay? There's something called the Septuagint, and, and don't let that confuse you too much. Basically, your Old Testament uh, was largely written in the language of Hebrew, and uh, there were these 70 scholars who translated the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek, which was the primary language during the time that they translated it. So these Hebrew and Greek scholars who typically just straight translated, they, they just couldn't help themselves here. When they got to this passage, they translated that the king couldn't sleep, and they wrote in that the curios prevented him from sleeping. Well, what's the big deal with that, right? Well, curios just happens to be the Greek word for Lord. The Lord kept him from sleeping. You know, this, this same word that's used to describe Jesus all over the New Testament, the same word that's used in our Old Testaments in English to describe Yahweh, God. These translators were just so certain that this was an act of God happening here that they just couldn't help themselves. And they wrote in that the curios, the Lord, kept him from sleeping. See, God is never mentioned by name in the original text of the book of Esther, but we can certainly see that he never left his people. We can certainly see that he was always present. But we didn't actually see this action until Mordecai launched things with his faith and Esther moved into action deciding to step up and risk her life to talk to King Xerxes to attempt to save her people from genocide. And you know, I think the difficulty for many of us is that we expect God to show up and save us from our tension instead of our transgressions. God wants to use our tension to motivate us to participate in kingdom work, which is redeeming the world from her transgressions. And, and here's the thing about tension, right? We're all familiar with rubber bands. And, and see, if, if I take a rubber band here, and, uh, and I've got a pencil, okay? If I take this pencil and put it in the rubber band and let go, the rubber band was pointless. It didn't do anything. But if I take a lot of pencils and now I take these pencils and I put this rubber band around them, Forget about those two. Make this a little bit more tension. See, I can just hold one rubber band and now nothing happens because the rubber band is pointless until you add the tension. It doesn't do anything until you add the tension. And you may be wondering where God is in such a time as this, but let me encourage you this way. God is certainly still present whether or not we see him. See, the point is this. Oftentimes, we're, we're looking for, to God to remove us from our situations, to remove us from our circumstances, but he's looking for us to move in the midst of tension because that's when we really realize how desperately we need him. And the reality is that the church has been placed in a moment of tension, but don't miss the opportunity. 
Embrace the tension. Because the fact is that when we have faith and when we allow that faith to drive us to be obedient in the tension, that's when we see God move. And, and you may be someone who has never heard God, that's, who's never seen God move, and, and maybe that's because you don't have a relationship with him. I want you to understand that that is your starting point. Jesus came and lived in the tension to take your transgression. He died for all the wrong you ever did and offers eternal life as a free gift to you. And if you're, if you're watching this online and you're interested in talking to somebody or taking this step, I want to encourage you to go to svcclemore.org salvation. That's svcclemore.org salvation. And we'll have a pastor reach out to you and, and we'd love to talk with you and, and uh, move through this situation with you. But for those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, let me remind you that in this moment of tension, in this opportunity, may our faith in the character of God, drive us to mobilize and be the hands and feet of Jesus and be the people who God has called us to be. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word and for the story of Esther. Uh, we thank you that even in a book that never mentions you by name, that we can still so clearly see you moving. And we ask that in this moment, of tension that we would see you moving, that we would see that you still care for us, that you still love us, that you still have a purpose for us, and you have not turned your back on us, God. And so we ask that as we move through our lives, that you would continue calling us, moving us forward, that you would uh, remind us of your character so that we could have our faith restored in a way that would drive us to be your church the way you've called us to be. We pray for those who are hurting in this time, for those who are mourning in this time, and, and we ask that you would bring those opportunities to us so that we can love them the way that you've called us to. God, we love you, we thank you, we praise you for all that you are, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thank you, church. I hope you have a wonderful week.